I don't think anyone that's listening to this would be surprised to walk into an office, a cafe, a home, and see that the main coffee consumption was instant. I think perhaps we sometimes turn a blind eye to that in specialty, but the reality is there's a big gap. consumer side, I, as a coffee fan, I'm sure you can attest, once you start drinking high quality specialty coffee, it's, it's very hard to go back. Awareness of sustainability, I think, from consumers is definitely increasing. And when it comes to coffee, you certainly can see that reflected across the whole market. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Fifth Wave. Today, we continue our exploration of the at-home coffee market. In the last episode, we heard how the pandemic had catapulted demand for coffee at home, particularly espresso machines and high-grade specialty coffee. And in this episode, we'll be exploring what types of coffees at-home consumers are looking for, where do they go to buy their coffee beans, and what trends are shaping the future of the at-home coffee market. You'll hear how the super specialty end of the market is developing from Onyx's John Allen. We'll also cast a spotlight on broader European trends by speaking with Johnny England of Loftbergs. And we begin by speaking with Will Corby, Director of Coffee and Social Impact at UK coffee subscription business Pact. Founded on the principles of transparency, traceability, and financially sustainable prices to farmers, Pack counts over 50,000 regular subscribers and already over 1 million UK households have tried Pax coffee. Welcome, Will. Hey, good to be here. Thank you, Jeffrey. Tell us about Pact. Pact Coffee was founded in 2012 and there was clearly a, a problem in the market. Specialty coffee was available, but specialty coffee is best served fresh. And actually, there was very little supply available. If a coffee consumer of specialty coffee was to run out of coffee on a Friday, there was no chance that they were going to get their coffee delivered for the weekend. Mm. And although back in 2012, there were a significant number of specialty coffee shops across London, actually, if you looked at the density of coffee shops per capita in London and across the rest of the UK, there was very little capacity for you if you ran out of beans to go and mm. pick up a bag of coffee to make sure your Saturday morning specialty coffee routine wasn't ruined. Mm. And that was what created the idea for Stephen, who founded Pact, to create the subscription model, which has, has formed a really core cool part of us being able to deliver social change um, around the world over the last 10 years. So mm. he created our own, own software, which enables consumers to sign up to a subscription and be delivered coffee at whatever frequency they'd like to receive coffee from a very wide range of coffee that was tailored specifically to their own tastes mm. um, with a full element of flexibility to be able to pause or cancel at any moment in time, which was always the problem with subscriptions. You know, Even now when we have tens of thousands of users being delivered coffee from a range of 20 different coffees daily, 
ground specifically to match their brew method at home. So mm -hmm. one of five different grind sizes wow. or whole bean. We're shipping out tens of thousands of orders a week yeah. across 120 different SKUs, individually personalized to the frequency that an individual wants to receive, to the specific coffee profile that they enjoy based on their liking and disliking of every coffee they've ever tasted through Pact, and ground perfectly to make drinking specialty coffee as easily as possible at home. So 500 tons a year, that's a lot of coffee. Was that number you know, as impressive before COVID? Yeah, certainly. So we saw pretty sustained growth in yep. the ramp to COVID. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the move to people being in their houses for yeah. significant amounts of time during COVID, yeah. um, we saw an enormous increase yeah. in both number of subscribers, but also the frequency with which the subscribers yeah. we were selling to wanted to purchase coffee. So we saw a jump there from around 300 tons to about, about 500 tons. Yeah. And it's sort of stayed at that level and beyond. Wow. And, and yeah, so since COVID, we've sustained that volume of coffee. Uh, what I would say is, um, obviously, there's been a, quite a big change in the mix of consumption of specialty coffee by consumers since COVID. So what we did see was this big increase in both specialty consumption as people bought coffee at home and investment in specialty equipment. And we've certainly seen a change in our mix of consumption. Traditionally, packed coffee has been about delivering easy to brew methods at home. So your cafetiere, B60 drip, AeroPress, stovetop brew methods, which at very low cost can deliver excellent cups of coffee. What we saw during COVID was consumers investing very heavily in espresso equipment. Mm -hmm. And with that, a big shift from filter or, or standard brew profiles on the website to espresso-based profiles. Right. Um, what we've seen since is a continuation of that product mix. Yeah. So a larger proportion of our coffee going out is espresso than it was pre-COVID. But there seems to be real consumer demand for better coffee. Is that safe to say? The UK has probably the widest range of quality consumption of coffee in the world. I think we still have the highest penetration of instant coffee yeah. in the world. Um, and actually, I don't think anyone that's listening to this would be surprised to walk into an office, a cafe, a home, and see that the main coffee consumption was instant. I think perhaps we sometimes turn a blind eye to that in specialty, but the reality is there's a big gap, yeah. which should be something for every specialty proponent. Um, in the UK to be excited about. There's a huge opportunity for change. Mm -hmm. But that means that perhaps where we look at in the industry at these big steps, whole bean being the change in actor or espresso machines, potentially we're still quite a long way from that. Mm. And there's quite a lot more work for us to do. And what about origin? How important is origin to consumers? And are there any origins that in particular UK consumers are obsessed by? What we tend to see is Consumers have a preference for profile, and within that profile, they would like to see variety. So just because someone likes a, a more chocolatey profile, that doesn't mean we have to send them coffee from the same country every time. We just want to focus on profiling all those coffees, ensuring we can send them the same profile of coffee, but maybe 
one week it's from Brazil, the next week it's from Honduras, and, and the following week it's from Colombia. Right. We can deliver the variety which people love across their lives, yeah. but within their preference range. Yeah. And being able to understand your consumer's preference range and deliver that is a really core part of personalization, which I don't think we tend to think about within the industry. Mm. You know, personalization tends to come down to putting a different name on the bag or yeah. you know, actually being able to chase personalization in terms of we're delivering you a product through your door because of the 20 coffees we've got available to ship to you today. This is the one that's going to best suit your preference. Is really exciting. Actually, moving back to that wine model, we know people don't have a generally have a preference for Argentinian wine or French wine. They might have a preference for Pinot Noir, or yeah. they might have a preference for any one of a number of different grapes. And mm. actually, the difference in in the characteristics of that grape growing in a different country, where they get a similar profile but with unique characteristics because of the place and because of the people. Mm. Um, is the variety they're looking for, not necessarily the origin. What's the future for the next three to five years for the home coffee market in the UK? The immediate trajectory which we've seen over the past three to five years would point to the continued development of the at-home espresso market. But I think we have to take into account that COVID bubble which saw the capacity for people to have disposable income which allowed them to invest heavily in espresso. I don't think we can, we will necessarily see that trajectory continue. Okay. Investment at home in espresso is still an exceptionally expensive step for the majority of home consumers. And these are consumers who are tending to drink instant coffee at home. Yeah. The likely next steps for those consumers is still to buy a cafetiere or to buy a V60 or to buy a stovetop. So I, I still see a huge capacity for growth within the UK market. Yeah people just being delivered really great specialty coffee at home for use in those relatively low-cost brew methods. I see on the the flip side of that growth of specialty coffee on the high street Mm -hmm. continuing to accelerate because the density of specialty coffee shops in the UK, I believe, is still very, very low. Even across Greater London, there are many, many suburbs that don't have a specialty coffee shop. Um, so the capacity there for, for specialty coffee shops to continue growing is, is absolutely enormous. I think one of the, the big changes, which we'll likely have to fight over the next three to five years, one of the, the biggest challenges is what specialty coffee is. Mm. That coffee can be something as simple as a commodity graded coffee with a high defect count and a, and a dark mm-hmm. roast made into a flat white with a rosetta on top mm-hmm. and within the industry people might count that as specialty mm. my definition of specialty is specialty graded green mm. which can have a positive impact on coffee farmers around the world and i think as long as that message continues to be quite muddy for the end consumer we'll continue to face challenges as an industry because we'll continue to market a high quality product but consumers aren't idiots yeah. <laughs> if they receive the same cup of coffee yeah. just with a little bit of latte art on it mm. we're gonna see problems and that there'll be a, a an issue with that conversion yeah. from lower grade coffee into what specialty mm. really is if we're delivered a, a bottle of wine that's an expensive bottle of wine that we're told is going to deliver on a number of different characteristics mm. and we open it and it tastes 
like a five pound bottle of wine, it damages that brand. Will, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you. Nice to be here. Will sees tremendous potential for growth of specialty coffee in the UK. He believes the biggest opportunity actually lies in converting today's commodity coffee drinkers into tomorrow's specialty drinkers by offering them affordable but delicious brew methods. Now let's move to the boutique end of the specialty market by speaking with John Allen of Onyx, a specialty coffee roaster based in Arkansas, catering to the very passionate specialty coffee consumers. Founded in 2012, today Onyx operates five cafes and over 1,000 wholesale accounts. But the majority of its business is direct to consumer through a beautifully crafted e-commerce experience. Welcome, John. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So how large is Onyx today? How would you quantify your business? We run and operate five cafes here in Northwest Arkansas, where we're based. But our main business is D2C, is the e-commerce space, and then roasting for between 1,000 and 1,200 other kind of cafes and hospitality concepts sort of around the world. A majority of what we do, though, is direct-to-consumer subscription programs and e-commerce and, and really trying to create a, a cafe experience, but from the digital side. Was that always the plan to be so D2C-based? No. Wholesale was our main model, B2B. I mean, we wanted to roast for the best cafes in the world. That's been our goal sort of since day one. And really, COVID sort of changed that. I mean, we always had an e-commerce platform. And, you know, for us, it was... We enjoyed it and it went well, but it was never a lot of time or energy focused on it. Yeah. COVID, Mm. when that happened, we basically changed overnight. What has changed, you know, with the consumers over the last few years to be so interested in coffee for home? It's hard to say what made the switch. I mean, I, I think what we're seeing is that, you know, high-end specialty coffee is almost becoming pop culture in a way. And honestly, the education side of the normal consumer is so high now and the appreciation levels are so high that it's been a really nice, easy landing pad for high-quality roasters. I think the goal, when I first got into specialty, we would teach classes or we were parts of SCA or different things like that. There was always sort of this single narrative that was educate the consumers, you know, educate the consumers on, it could be from the extraction side to appreciating the farming side, understanding Q scores or whatever it was. And to that, I would say that it worked. You know, our hardest coffee questions that come to our educators and comms team are are not actually from the industry anymore. They're from the accountant that buys the $400 geisha and wants to understand the most minuscule aspect of extraction ratios. I'm sure there's a lot of elements that play, but I, I do think the floor of coffee education has risen dramatically in the last five years or so. What type of details are they interested in? A lot of farming details. There's a bit of a passion in agronomy. A lot of interest in understanding not just like what kind of processing method, but how many hours was it fermented and what kind of raised beds was it dried on. And a lot of details in that aspect that you would think would only be for green buyers and traders and exporters, things like that. You know, we're, I mean, our company is sort of founded on basically publishing everything. So we, kind of have a lot of that information already readily available, but 
honestly, we used to publish it thinking that this was mostly for, you know, a few cafe owners. And what we didn't expect was to find that the consumer was so engaged in sort of the weeds and the details of these coffees. So it's a little bit all over the map. It's been incredible. Have the volumes of specialty coffee for the home continued to grow after COVID? Or has it reached a plateau? It's still growing at about the same rate it was even during COVID. Um, and really not just in the States. I would honestly say our, our largest growth now is probably more international. I don't see it stopping anytime soon. What, what are some of the trends you see in your sales patterns? Trending-wise, we're seeing a lot more adventurous coffee consumers. So that's you know different levels of fermentation and different varieties that even myself as like a veteran coffee person would have thought, I don't want to say unenjoyable, but, but the type of coffees that are so fruit forward or so dominant in certain areas that, you know, we used to probably think of those as like unclean cups mm. that are now becoming much more prevalent. Mm. It is exciting to see what people are doing on the farm level and that type of flavor profile is starting to be much more appreciated. And I think we're seeing that in, in a lot of things. I mean, actually, you know, highly acidic beverages from drinking vinegars to, you know, a lot of natural wines are, uh, you know, basically served at every cafe. Now these kind of fruit forward kombucha like wines, all of these flavors that are coming from different types of fermented consumables are really influencing coffee. And what about the preparation methods? The United States has always been very much a filter coffee, drip coffee culture. Are we seeing more espresso drinking? You know, it's interesting. I think we're seeing more filter in the cafe mm. and probably a rise in espresso for D to C. I think some of that is just technology. There's really nice home espresso machines now yep. that are somewhat affordable. And so that makes a big difference. And at the same time, I think because the education is getting so dominant, the rise of different pour overs, at least in our own cafes mm. and Another filter offering seem to be really skyrocketing. Mm. So I think they're just both on the rise in different elements. So let's look forward into the future. How optimistic are you mm. about high quality coffee entering the homes of your customers, certainly in the US and, and abroad over the next three to five years? Do you, do you think this is going to continue? I do. I don't think we've plateaued at all. I, I think we're going to continue to rise for a while, partly because for a while our sort of kink in the hose was really finding enough high-end specialty. And that, that is not becoming an issue as much anymore. You know, There's producers doing just incredible work. And then from the consumer side, I, as a coffee fan, I'm sure you can attest, once you start drinking high-quality specialty coffee, it's, it's very hard to go back. Yeah. Uh, and so people or really cultures are adopting it because as I said, we're, we're just seeing a large international presence. Um, I don't see that shrinking by any means. I think the demand will be high. I do think the price will go up as you know. a lot of tea drinking cultures are adopting specialty coffee incredibly fast. So the demand is going to be there. Mm. But I, I think we're, we're really just seeing a glimpse of what it's going to be. John, thanks so much for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Oh, thank you. It's a, it's a real honor. John also makes the argument that specialty coffee continues to grow in popularity. It was so interesting to learn that some of his most passionate customers are becoming as informed as specialty coffee professionals. Now, to finish our investigation into the at-home coffee market, let's get a picture of the European supermarket coffee sector by speaking with Johnny England, Director of Coffee at Lofberg's UK and Ireland. 
Founded in Sweden in 1906, Lofworks is still family-owned and roasts 34,000 tons of green coffee per year, selling into Scandinavia, the Baltics, the UK, and Ireland. Welcome, Johnny. Thanks, Jeffrey. Great to be here. So you're director of coffee for the business here in the UK. What are you seeing? What's going on with the, with the home market? Ever since COVID and, and the lockdowns, we've seen a, a huge shift in consumption at home. I think obviously that was driven with consumers not having access to cafes or restaurants and having to shift that consumption pattern to the home and trying to really replicate that same experience that you have when you're in a coffee shop. So yeah, we saw that huge uplift in volume during the lockdown period. And, and clearly consumers were starting to invest in home brewing equipment, which we've, yeah. we've heard about on the previous show and whether or not that's domestic espresso machines or home grinders or even just filter brewing kit. So it was the lockdown that really created a bit more of a revolution for in home coffee, you think? I think so. It just gave it that sort of accelerated growth spurt. I think that was always yeah. on the horizon. That was always, we were seeing more and more consumption at home in terms of and that premiumization that's happened with the industry at, at a retail level. Yeah. So I think it's just really accelerated that. And, and since then, we've seen that continue to grow. Mm. Although I, I would say it's a little bit more nuanced in terms of the categories within coffee consumption. So for example, ground coffee is actually a little bit in decline now since, okay. since the pandemic, uh, whereas whole bean is massively up. We're still seeing growth of sort of about 14, 15%. 14%, 15%. Yeah, which is phenomenal, really, when you look at the retail market, which has been, at least from a UK perspective, fairly stagnant for some yeah. time. So, I mean, really positive to see that more and more consumers are sort of buying fresh whole bean coffee as opposed to sort of roasting ground or, or instant. I believe Lofberg's has got a one kilogram product for in a major supermarket, I believe it's Tesco. We do, yeah. We launched that in September last year, actually. So um, that was our first forte into, into the UK retail market. Obviously, Lofberg's is a brand in Scandinavia. We've been very strong, actually, market leader now in Sweden and Denmark. And we launched mostly whole bean products into the UK. So a one kilo uh, Brazil single origin and 400 grams as well, as well as some, some larger formats of roast and ground coffee. And we've seen well, great success since we launched, which is great to see with some continued focus around launching new new products into the market over the next coming years. British consumers now buying one kilogram bags of beans in a supermarket brand like Tesco. What, what does that tell us about how the coffee consumer in the UK has changed? Yeah, I think obviously traditionally it's always been about convenience at home, I think. So, you know, instant coffee was a big driver of that. And we saw that the pod market has grown exponentially over the last sort of five, six years. But now that sort of shift in sort of work-life balance and the pattern of how you work from home, but also working in the office means that maybe convenience isn't quite as important as it used to be to mm -hmm. consumers. And actually quality is one of the big drivers yeah. of that in terms of how you experience coffee when you drink it at home. Mm. So, you know, seeing that shift towards bigger formats of whole bean coffee certainly indicates that the consumers are more aware now about how to make better coffee at home. Mm. And definitely as we saw that increase in uh, domestic coffee machines at home. Yeah. The two go hand in hand, I think. And what do you think about the future of pods? Do you think that's still got uh, some it's way to go in the UK? difficult to say. I, I think there's still room for growth for, yeah. for pods. I think particularly on the premium end of the market, we've seen lots of great specialty brands which have launched now into, into major retailers and mm -hmm. producing really great quality capsule mm -hmm. product. Again, since the pandemic, that has declined a little bit right. in terms of at least volume. I think value still held, held and it's fairly similar because of increases in the coffee market prices over the last few mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. but. Definitely, I would say, more focus on whole bean now, particularly, and I think is that probably consumers who would have spent a little bit of money on a domestic Nespresso machine or a capsule machine, 
you know, they're now looking to upgrade and invest in maybe a, a better piece of equipment which can produce espresso-style drinks as well as milk-based drinks as well and really replicate that at-home cafe experience. Is your business seeing the same trends across Europe? Generally speaking, yes. I think the Scandinavian market consumption is far higher per head per year. So, you know, per capita, I think Finland's at 12 kilos, Sweden's at around 9 or 10, and the UK say at 3.5. So drastically different in terms of consumption habits. And I think a lot of that's driven by filter coffee. And traditionally in in Sweden, it was always buying roasting ground coffee Mm -hmm. to brew filter coffee at home. Mm -hmm. But even in those Scandinavian markets, which are very saturated in terms of brands and that sort of day-to-day life of drinking coffee at home, we've seen that shift towards whole bean as well. So lots of growth in that format. So it seems to be a trend that's happening across Europe at the moment. Less so for pods, I would say. I don't think we've seen quite the same pod market growth in Scandinavia, for example. I think also there's a there's awareness of sustainability when it comes to uh, particularly in Sweden. You know, most consumers are very aware of the fact that the impact that, for example, pods can have on the environment if they're not in recyclable packaging or in compostable packaging. And we've seen that in our own packaging that we've developed for the for, for all of our markets to really push towards fully recyclable mono P materials now, which is really exciting. And so, is that that interest from consumers in sustainability as important in the UK or? What are you feeling from the marketplace in terms of how important sustainability is? It's de- I mean, awareness of sustainability, I think, for consumers is definitely increasing. And when it comes to coffee, you certainly can see that reflected across the whole market, whether or not that's at home or, or out of home there. Consumers are actively looking for more sustainably sourced products. Mm. Maybe it's looking for third-party certification, whether or not that's fair trade or enforced alliance or organic, or whether or not that's directly traded coffees where there's a transparent supply chain and consumers mm. have that understanding that Coffee was paid for in a fair and transparent way. So Mm. definitely seeing that awareness. I think also when it comes to packaging, that's drastically shifted in the last few years. And again, consumers are actively looking for products that are packed in sustainable, recyclable, whether that's recyclable or compostable, low impact on the environment, and and of course, sort of trying to reduce carbon footprint where possible. What's your business's approach or what are the initiatives that your business is focusing on? We've got some pretty ambitious targets over the next few years in terms of what we want to do as a group. By 2030, we've, we've outlined becoming 100% circular as a business uh, and also reducing our fossil fuel emissions to net zero. So some fairly big projects already in line with to, uh, to try and achieve that. So for example, we've recently moved all of our roasteries, which we've got four roasteries across the group, to 100% bio LPG gas. We've recently launched what we believe is a market innovation around uh, recyclable packaging, so a mono P material. Uh, and the ambition is that we'll move that to bio-based plastics over the next few years, mm-hmm. 100% across our business. And from a sourcing perspective, we've also launched a, a new platform called Era of We. This was launched back in 2020. It's a digital end-to-end trading platform for green coffee. And it's following the full value chain. So all the way back from producer through to consumer. Uh, you can see, for example, the farm gate price, the FOB price for the green coffee the landed price, and then the roasted price sold to a cafe or to a consumer. So full transparency. And the beauty is it also links with the consumer. So through very easy access through a a QR code, for example, a consumer can scan a bag of coffee or a cup of coffee in a cafe and see that full value chain breakdown, all the information behind the producer, the prices paid throughout the value chain. Uh, And it even allows the consumer to directly talk to a producer, let's say in Brazil or in Nicaragua, and using a translator bot, they can actually ask questions directly to a, to a consumer, which is, we think is really exciting. So final question, future of coffee at home, is it going to 
keep going up in terms of volumes? What trends do you think we'll see emerging over the next few years? It's, it's, it's an interesting one because at the moment we're sort of in this post-pandemic world where consumption at home has maybe reduced a little bit. Habits have returned to people drinking coffee back in their favourite cafes and restaurants and hospitality venues. But we've certainly seen that shift towards more consumption at home. And I think that's going to continue to happen where we see premiumization happening. So consumers investing in coffee equipment at home, looking for that variability in choice, wanting to experiment and try different brands and different taste profiles. So I still see there's lots of headroom for growth in the home market, which is, I think is incredibly exciting. For, for brands, I think probably the key thing is all about about pushing further education when it comes to how to get the best out of your coffee at home. Because I think this is still probably the biggest challenge which is holding us back a little bit is that, you know, it's very difficult to communicate to a consumer how to really brew great coffee at home. Mm. It's a bit of a journey. I mean, there's some great YouTube channels out there now and Instagram channels where you've got that education happening, but it's still a very small proportion of the total market. So, which they're engaging with. So, Again, I think there's a big job for brands to continue that education when it comes to sort of brewing great coffee at home. And we'll, we'll see how that plays out over the next couple of years, but I think there's some great innovations happening on the, on the market today. Excellent. Thanks very much for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Great. Thanks for having me, Jeffrey. Johnny mentions that Lofberg's is seeing a shift away from roast and ground towards whole beans, suggesting that the average European coffee drinker is becoming more conscious of quality. And simultaneously, it appears that social and environmental concerns are increasingly important too. Reflecting back on everything we've heard today, it's clear that the at-home coffee market is seeking higher and higher quality. And the market for specialty-grade roasted coffee continues to grow rapidly. And this trend is unlikely to reverse, for sure. As John Allen of Onyx mentioned, specialty is a one-way street. When a consumer is introduced to the delicious flavors of a specialty-grade coffee, they find it impossible to revert back to ordinary commodity coffee. Going forward in homes all across the world, I expect to see continued growth of specialty coffee brewing, higher quality coffee available on supermarket shelves and via online subscriptions, plus an ever-growing social media ecosystem making the home coffee drinker more and more educated and passionate about specialty coffee. This episode was produced in the one and only Serenity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. And this week's song, in collaboration with the Coffee Music Project, is Do You by New York artist Amira B. Stay safe, stay passionate, and stay caffeinated. Don't you want to feel free? Buy yourself flowers from the street